All right, we are back recapping week one. Um, exciting first week in our Dynasty League. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Dan Weber and Nick Weir. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Um, so let's see, it's Tuesday, uh, September 10th, and it's, you know, first week's in the book, um, and I think I speak for everyone in the league when I say the most surprising thing is Sean O'Neill's team. Uh, not only did he win this week against Jerry, which wasn't that much of a surprise, but he was the top scoring team for the week. And not only was he the top scoring team of the week, but he saw some interesting productions from his players. It wasn't Devontae Adams and Alvin Kamara going for, you know, 80 points between them. It was, uh, let's see, John Ross going for 34, Sammy Watkins going for 46, Alshon Jeffrey going for 22, Cooper Cup going for 11, and his lowest scoring wide receiver is Devontae Adams going for 7.6 points. Alvin Kamara did his thing. Marcus Mariota was actually solid. Mitchell shit the bed. And he did all that with TJ Yeldon and Ian Thomas both combining for a big zero. So I'm going to start it off with that. So what the hell happened with Sean this week? Nick, what, what are your thoughts? That's a hell of a question. I'm going to go with the injury. There's no AJ Green and there's no Hill. Very chills out. Sammy Watkins becomes a stud, although he did have that great touchdown catch before the injury. No AJ Green. Ross got like 12 or 13 targets, which is unheard of for him. But it also could be a new offense coordinator. I lean towards the unsustainable and highest scoring team with two goose sides. Doesn't fold well. But I thought he should have sold, so I don't know much. Welcome to fantasy football on that. Yeah, that's ain't that the truth. Dan, what do you think? I think that if you're talking about two guys that are benefiting from a from an injury piece, Sammy Watkins, yeah, he had that the one touch that while Tyreek Hill was in, but Tyreek Hill gets injured. Where's your volume got to go? Uh, I mean, Sammy Watkins benefits from that. And John Rashford from AJ Green, this is massive. You look at, I mean, 16 targets together, over over 300 yards, 40, and almost uh, to 400 yards with five touchdowns. That's huge. That, I mean, easily should win in that case. But I, I don't think that the, that the Lions here is going to be there in a couple weeks going forward. But, again, fantasy, you could be wrong and you could be right. Just any given Sunday. So, yeah. That, I mean, that's definitely true. But I, I guess the biggest thing that's interesting is Sean's in, you know, for lack of a better words, a weak division on paper. Sam is, you know, playing tiddly winks and going to barely score 100 every week. Jerry's unfortunately had some unfortunate luck, and we'll talk about this a little bit later with Foles going out. That really puts him behind the eight ball. So then it leaves Sean competing with myself, Nick, and Zane for three of the playoff spots in this division. I mean, could Sean mess around and be a contender, or no? Nick, what do you think? He can do it. I mean, he proved he could. And injuries are a thing. No fold. Um, running backs are dropping off my roster like flies. So the chance is there. Um, but it sounds like you yeah, think he should sell. He's going to 
going to have to come to the shitter, get off the top. Either you buy or you sell. I think if you stay the status quo, you're going to come limbo, middle of the road pitch. With the weak division, I'd buy. When you got the pieces, I think you can make a push. What about you, Dan? Yeah. It's an interesting thought. So, do you see the sustainability between getting the value in, in these guys? His bench put up a whopping 20.8 points. So, he doesn't have a lot of additional pieces to fall back on. So, if he's going to buy, he's got to sell off some, sell off some young talent that won't cripple his starting roster. Um, if he wins every week, he gets two points and victory points. He's got to get the extra point to, to score in there, and I think that's a real hard-pressed piece when you look at trying to combine the two of them together. I think he still stalls, but that's just me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, this... We'll see. I think John Ross is an interesting case. You know, we've seen a, the third-year wide receiver breakout. I mean, hell, last year Tyler Boyd, his teammate fit this criteria and led from a, you know, strong start in the early season and continued it all year. And John Ross, I mean, he was a top 10 draft pick, so maybe this is his coming out party. But the guy I really want to talk about is Sammy Watkins. I don't know if you guys have read anything, but last I saw it sounded like, you know, Tyreek could potentially be out for like six to eight weeks. I yeah, mean... Watkins in an interview said today he's going to be gone six to eight. I mean, if what? I so, go ahead, Dad. I was hearing that though. Buy me a little Miko Hardman stock. I think that's the. I think that's the guy that's going to benefit from this quick young kid. Nobody's really seen. I think after this week, Sammy draws a little bit more attention. But I think this is where you watch Miko Hardman really take off. And if I'm buying stock, it's not me watching. It's in Hardman. See, I go a different direction. I think it's going to be. Marcus Robinson. Kid's been in the system. He knows it. And he's in there and done it. Nicole, he's new. Still doesn't really get the system. Sure, he's fast as hell. And, I think... But what about from a passing perspective? From a passing perspective, you think he's the guy to go to? Oh, yeah. He's the wide receiver, too, now on the team. Hold on. All right, well, I guess I'm going to oh, take the... I guess I'm going to take the minority opinion and say, um, what about the guy that just put up 47 points? Why doesn't he just keep doing his thing? I mean, Sammy Watkins, is it far-fetched to say he's a top 12 wide receiver as long as Tyreek's out of the offense? I go with his history. He's just he's like a Marvin Jones type game until I see otherwise which this could be coming out I don't see it alright Debbie Downer over there Dan what do you think I, I'll, I'll Debbie Downer as well I, I okay. he's a boomer bus player until, until I see more more steady I, I feel like he's too bipolar to, to really go through and, and put a hefty better okay. and the dude's just crazy if you really want to get a good laugh go through his twitter yeah, he's like one of those person. flat earthers. I don't know. Hey man, T. Plush had a great crazy side when he played for the Brewers, and look what that team did. Anyone else cares? We'll see. So okay, so if, if you, it sounds like 
we kind of all think maybe Sean should sell, and none of you guys are buying Watkins. Is there a guy that you would try to poach from Sean if you could? I've been trying to poach Tamara Adams. That's a tough sell. Um, I'm a big Cooper Cup fan. I also like some of the smaller pieces. I mean, Miles Boykin, I think, could do some stuff. Um, you know, Riley Ridley. Yeah, I, I think if I'm taking the poach, the poach trade, it's the guy that I traded to him. It's Cooper Cup. I think the volume, the volume exists. I think that offense becomes dynamic. Um, if Gurley stays healthy, it eats into the volume a little bit, but it's hard to object against this five receiver in, in a quick shifty Cooper Cup. For me, I mean, I think you gotta, yeah, Cooper Cup would be great. Um, you know, Devontae Adams would be great. But, I mean, Elshon Jeffrey, I think it's probably one of the most underappreciated wide receivers right now in fantasy. Um, I know, especially this Eagles team, it seems like we're so anxious to crown Dallas Goddard. We're so anxious to crown J.J. Arcega-Whiteside that we forget that Zach Ertz and Elshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are all still thins. And I think Elshon Jeffrey, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be 22 points week in and week out, but he's probably someone that's going to be a flex starter as long as he's in this lineup. And I, I haven't talked to Sean about Alshon Jeffrey, but, you know, you can't be asking for the moon for this guy, and I think he could help a lot of teams in this league. But, you know, we all just gave three different people, and Sean clearly has some pieces, and he's kind of a team at the middle of the, the fork. Um and he's kind of been that way for the last five months, so we'll see if he maybe uh, shits or get off the pot. We should be fun to watch for his team. Very much so. Um, so let's, instead of going through each team, let's kind of just abstractly take a step back and look at week one as a whole around the NFL. And I kind of want to do like just top three sort of biggest takeaways and kind of tie that back into Dynasty. And I don't know about you guys, but the biggest for me, takeaway on this week was how good the rookie class looked. Uh, we had pass catchers galore, right? Um, I mean, Hollywood Brown, he only played like five snaps, but he scored two touchdowns and had almost 150 yards. I mean, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, both around 100 yards. Terry McLaren, Scary Terry, he looked good for f- almost over 120 yards. Preston Williams, even though that's a dumpster fire in Miami, still managed to do work. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson in uh, Arizona with another rookie, Kyler Murray, that came on hot towards the end. Um, In that game also, I mean, TJ Hawkinson, they were calling him Gronk Jr., and he might just be Gronk Jr. Um, And then, of course, last night we had Josh Jacobs for the Raiders, who looks everything just, or looks every bit like a Belkow running back. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on this rookie class? Yeah, At least for week one. Hyper efficient. It looks, I mean, Hollywood Brown ran eight routes. That's nuts. Um, I saw some stats. But 1970 to 2018, 12 total rookies had 100 yards in week one, and we had four this week or last week. So yeah. to say it's a fluke, it's hard not to. But they look good, man. 
I'm a buyer. I think this is where more money gets made. I think we arguably saw one of the better draft class come out. I TJ Hawkinson, man, that guy looked just phenomenal. Matthew Stafford ate that alive and Beckett found open space and took care of his business. AJ Brown makes you wonder, Corey Davis, who every I mean everybody raved about this guy, and this guy comes out and goes gets three catches for hundred yards and Corey Davis gets three catch three targets and gets zero catches. I I'm not buying that and I mean, the Minnesota running offense, Dalvin Cook looked healthier than shit, but you look at that, Alexander Madison, 9 for 49 running behind him. That's a dirty offense. And yeah, you mentioned DK. I, DK makes Russell Wilson so much better. I'm, I think this is phenomenal. I think this is where we're, we're going to watch that. These guys are, are making, making the, the NFL a better place and getting us that much more excited for what could happen next year. Yeah, I mean, as someone that has a lot of shares of these guys that we just mentioned, it's it was great to see. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, Nick, it could be a little fluky. I mean, for each of us, is there a guy that, a rookie that you are buying after seeing their week one performance? Like, you think it could be sustainable for the entire season? I'll start with you, Nick. I'm going to say two. Hawkinson and McLaurin mainly due to the amount of time they were on the field. Corn was on for 70% of snaps. I want to say Hawkinson was like 80 or 90% of snaps. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the field that much, opportunity is just going to hit. And it could have been even crazier. Keenum missed a 70-yard bomb in the corner wide open. So I think with those two, just they're going to have, there's no competition for them. And they just have opportunity. Hard to argue with that. Dan, what, who's your guy? Or guys who uh, want to break the rules? I'll take the two as well. I, there's nothing that says T.J. Hawkinson is going to take a step down in my world. I think T.J. Hawkinson makes that offense that much more dynamic. He's a big kid. He touches the ball. He can run. He runs a nice route. And, and he's a red zone guy. I think it's everything that Stafford wants in a target and can take advantage of. And then Josh Jacobs. That man takes so much pressure off of that offense and watching that game. And I don't think it's anything against Denver's defense. That offense moved as it flowed. And it all started with Josh Jacobs being able to take the rock and run and just bury the ball down down Denver's throat. I'll take those two boys any day. Well, I I agree with all three that have been mentioned so far. And TJ Hockets and I obviously have a huge man crush on since I – Maybe reach grabbing them at fourth overall, but so far it's the returns are paying off. Um, but I'm going to go with DK Metcalf. I think he's a you just saw how his skill set fits with Russell Wilson. He's a big guy, and Russell loves to throw the deep ball. But the thing I love watching the DK Metcalf highlights is he's a big guy, and he will go and get the ball like. It doesn't have Russell doesn't have to throw it like a pinpoint dime on him, which he will throw more to often than not. But if he is a little bit off, I love that DK Metcalf Metcalf has a little bit of that Megatron in him that he's just gonna go up and get it. And I think that's you know he's not gonna get a lot of opportunities, but a guy like DK Metcalf only needs three or four opportunities, and he's gonna you know pay off for the day. So he's someone that I I really think will work out nicely for Seattle, and that was. Turning out to be a great pick for Jerry. 
Um, so obviously we talk about some great rookie news, but now let's be sad and talk about some of the injuries because unfortunately it's football and this is going to happen every week. There were three big ones that I saw, and that was Tyreek Hill, as we mentioned, Nick Foles, and Tevin Coleman um, for the Niners. Tyreek Hill we kind of talked about. Um, I think we Sammy Watkins obviously produced, and we kind of mentioned you know Demarcus Robinson and maybe Mercall Holdman Hardman stepping up. Um, but let's talk about Nick Foles. And this is one of the, and we can kind of segue this. Because Nick Foles went out against Kansas City, and six-round rookie pick Gardner Minshew came in, and yeah, the, the, the Chiefs were kind of blowing him out at that point, so maybe I didn't, you know, they had their backups in, but he looked good, and I guess for starters, let's start with Nick Foles, you know, being out, but... Yep. Cole loves his slot and peppered him all preseason. And once Lynchy went in, it was all DJ Shark and Tommy. I think that's going to be the biggest hit for fantasy relevance. Didi. I thought Didi was going to be amazing this year. And he took a huge hit with this. What about Leonard Fournette? Do you think there's any drop-off? I don't think much is going to change. He is their workhorse back. He's never been much of a receiver. And I think his role is going to stay the same. If not, maybe a few more carries a game. But Minshew looks good. He had, what, 88% completion? Yeah, he broke. 25, 275, two touchdowns and a pick. Looked freaking good, man. I am a believer. I actually watched that entire game. Okay, Mr. Yeah, I'm a big believer in him. Mr. Mel Kuyper over here. I like it. So, obviously, this segues to one of the most interesting things because our wa- our waiver wire at this point is pretty bare. Um, if you haven't been paying attention, the biggest time to capitalize on the waiver wire is going to be after our rookie draft or in situations like this where a freak injury occurs. With Gardner Minshew on the waiver wire, he's undoubtedly going to be the top ad this week. Um, I don't have any, you know, available budget because I blew my load on Waller the baller. <laughs> um, but for you guys, what do you think of Gardner Minshew? Is he someone that you, you blow all your load on? Or is he someone that you, you're not... I, it sounds like you guys both believe it, so I'm not even going to ask that second part. I guess the question is, how much are you guys bidding? I think the only way you get them is if someone goes 100. Okay. So it, it, on the IR for 8 to 10 weeks. Yep, so 8 weeks. Starting quarterback in a super flex. That looks good. Has a great defense. And has pretty good possession wide receivers with a good running game. So, um, I like the, uh, the, the problem charger. I actually didn't bid on him. I'm not bidding. I'm not putting in anything for him. Okay. Um, I I understand the the aspects to when I do have a young group to be on my roster. And, and um, I just like to make you some, some Washington. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins, thank you. Uh, I'm going to sit back. I, I really like what I have going on. And I think that, yeah, even though I have a guy that's sitting on my roster and 
wire. Um, I'm going to sit past. I, I think, yes, this kid's going to be, be good. Um, 22 for 25, I don't think it's going to exist every week. I think you're going to watch him go through his rookie struggles. I think that if he does go to a team that could potentially needs starters, I think it could be problematic at times. But I think there could be glimpses of, of hope. Kansas City doesn't have a lead on offense, but they're actually, I don't think they're a top 10 defense either. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think for me, you know, I don't have anything to bid, but if I did, I'm bidding 100%. The waiver wire is incredibly bare, and really at this point, the only way you're adding someone is if it's due to injury. Um, or maybe you want to get proactive now because you see this happen and you want to add your backup quarterback, depending on what team you have. But this is... There are there might be another opportunity like this this year, but it's usually once or twice. There's a quarterback usually, or some practice squad running back that gets called up, and when that happens, you just got to be like, up, oh, all in. And I'm very curious to see, you know, who does that, and then who actually ends up winning them. So we talked about Tyreek Hill, and I guess we'll finish up with then Tevin Coleman. Um, Nick, obviously, you have an emotional attachment here with him on your roster. How are you feeling yeah. with this loss? It's not great. Luckily, I have a lot of running backs. Um, and after watching that game, I honestly don't know if I'm on any parts of that offense. <laughs> so it could be a blessing in disguise because now I don't have that option to even start. Um, I like I the glass at I do think he's talented. I just that's a good team. So, they don't get their offense. Their number one wide receiver took, or in theory, their number one wide receiver took two snaps. That helps. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a whole other story. Shanahan, I guess, I mean, he gets paid to coach, so I'm not going to go down that road. He, he knows best. But for Coleman, less, it's a high ankle sprain, right? For his injury? Two to six. Two to six weeks? Okay. So he's probably out till October at this point. Um, I mean, is Matt Breida going to be an RB1? You know, three months ago we were like, oh my gosh, this this offense has three running backs. It's going to be miserable. And here we are, not even into week two, and it's just Matt Breida again. I mean, my, my biggest question is, is it Brita or is it Mostert? I or Mostert, however you say it. I mean, I think Mostert, there, I think there's too much discrepancy as to which guy's coming in to do part of this. Um, I mean, I'm pulling up the box score right now to see where we were at in, in lines, but I mean, I didn't think of it. Brita, 15 for 37. Mostert, nine, or Mostert, 9 for 40. ready for this? I'm going to throw a curveball. Dante Pettis 
and a late round draft pick for Melvin Gordon. Isn't that a win-win? Is that like the no-brainers trade if Dante Pettis is in the shit house? After you saw yeah. what Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson did for the Chargers? And it's not like the Chargers are for wide receivers either. He is, but at the same time, at least you're a contending team. You know, Travis Benjamin, I would rather see Dante Pettis on the field than him. True. I don't know, just a random shot in the dark. It wouldn't be terrible, but they have so much money in running backs. Can you really afford to throw Melvin on that payroll too? Well, there were rumors that they were the the mystery team in on Le'Veon Bell this offseason, so clearly clearly Shanahan isn't satisfied or he just wants all the running backs. I don't know. But, okay, so just going back to whether it is Mozart, whether it is Brita, I mean, are both these guys startable? You know, no-brainers? They're flexible. Okay. So, yeah, I'd start them. Do you think... Okay, for both you guys, I'll start with you, Nick. Gun to your head, if you could have one or the other, Gardner Minshew or Mozart, whatever the fuck. Minshew, hands down. Okay, Dan, Minshew or Mozart? Minshew. Okay. I'll take Minshew as well. Offense and part of that, and you gotta figure Garoppolo's gotta gotta suck up and take the bulk load of this workload. Alright. Um, okay, so the last like takeaway I just wanted to do for week one. Um, there was a lot of underperformances, a lot of disappointment. Um, you know, Karrion Johnson, Sonny Michelle, Joe Mixon, um, every Chicago Bear not named Allen Robinson. Um I'm probably blanking. Andrew Mayfield, quarterback 33. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the Cleveland (laughs) Browns. Um, But again, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And as long as someone didn't suffer a a season-ending injury, you got to relax. But is there a performance or two that you look at and you're like, hmm, that is not a good sign of things to come? Okay. I am not sold on Winston. He looked atrocious. And that brings everyone's stock down. OJ Howard looked bad. Evans didn't do anything. Good. Godwin at least got a touchdown to save the week. Yep. And they don't have a running back, so it, I think he dragged the entire team down and it's worrisome. I, uh, you look at the numbers for Palmer's first season under Arian, terrible. So I think this system may take a year or two to get. But we'll see. That's my biggest worry is Tampa Bay. All right. Dan, what about for you? I'm concerned about Big Ben. I think Roethlisberger not having... A, a prime time target. Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from Julius Schuster, but Antonio Brown made him better. And now that you move Schuster to the one, and you look at a guy like Washington or any of the other younger guys on that roster, I, it's 9.74 points against that Patriots defense is a little rough, and that 
makes me very, very concerned. That's, I mean, is that just the Patriots, though, being the Patriots? Are we sure it's not that? Dante Moncrief? Yeah. You had Brickham. He had 10 targets with three catches for seven yards. Seven yards. Oh. Why do you target him that much? I think it'll be figured out. I'm not too worried there. Game script didn't help them. Newman kind of exploded out. And that fellowship, man, he's going to take away your best target and your best option. And he did that. Yeah. For me, I think my uh, underperformance that worries me the most, it's it kind of been the elephant in the room all off season. That's got to be Todd Gurley. I know that the stat line didn't look bad at the end of the day. He was like 14 for like 95, but he got a lot of those yards and towards the end, um, he didn't get any of the um, goal line, you know, rushing touchdowns. They went to Malcolm Brown. I am just, I think for a guy that was, I think in our league, he was drafted as a RB1. I think he, it's difficult as sad, he's an RB2 at this point. And I think for Chris's sake, it's it's good that he has Malcolm Brown because now he's got two solid flex starters. Um, yeah, the goal line carries is worrisome, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and now before we jump into the matchup previews for week two, let's take time to answer a listener question. This one comes from Jerry, and his question is, Nick, as a new Dynasty owner, I'm curious what is one key philosophy that each of you has adopted over the years that you think has helped make you a successful Dynasty player? It's a very good question and probably something that I should have maybe put together uh Initially, because I know we have about half the league as new dynasty owners. Um, Dan or Nick, do one of you guys want to start with your kind of key philosophy for for this one? Uh, Dan, I'll let you go first. So this is my fourth year in dynasty. I picked up a team that was in a different league that was drafted by some schmuck that left me with absolute crap, um, and it's. If you're going to rebuild, rebuild. If you're going to contend, try and contend. And there's nothing wrong with playing part of the middle ground, but you don't help yourself and you don't hurt yourself. And I think the hardest thing in, in this is to make sure that you find value in the guys that you want to build your team around and you hold that value. And you, and unless you catch a field day for them, they're, they're your boys for forever and for always. And that, that's all I do. My Christian McCaffrey draft, that's a lot I spent over, you know, three-fifths of my budget to make sure that I got this guy that I want to build my franchise around. It's, it's tough, it's hard, but if you're going to get rid of him, you're going to get the farm for him, and it, you suck for three or four years and you go there. But it's find the value and, and live by value versus live by flash. At least that's how I find the, the excitement and what dynasty can be. All right. Nick, do you want me to take it or do you? Um, I'll go. So my biggest thing is draft picks are fun and all, um, but if you have the talent, why trade the talent for a draft pick? 
you don't know what that draft pick's going to be, so I always go with the talent. And you want to build your team on something sustainable, I guess. Running backs, they come and go, but running backs win leads. I'm a big proponent on your wide receivers and your quarterbacks. They're going to set your foundation. And they're going to be there the longest as well. I hate the tight end position, so that's how it's going to be that position shouldn't even exist. Uh, quarterback, quarterback and wide receiver are your foundation, and running back, you can get the Lamar Miller, the Damian Williams to get you to that championship. They're rent players. You can get them decently cheap with picks, and they'll put you over the edge for the win as long as you have that core. That's kind of how I my philosophy. Fair enough. One thing I wanted to add that I liked what you said with, uh, you know, just going back to the trades and stuff like that. This is one thing that I read and it's kind of held true when I first started doing Dynasty. It's simple, but 90% of the time, the person that gets the best asset in the trade wins the trade. So to your point, you know, trading, you know, Baker Mayfield for the first, first overall pick Maybe that's smart, maybe that's not, but we know what Baker Mayfield is. We don't know what a first-round pick next year could be. Um, So anyways, that was a little sideways. But my kind of key philosophy is to know what your team is capable of and committing to that. So if you know your team's a contender and you foresee yourself being a contender for the next two years make moves accordingly, you know, go for, you know, an Alshon Jeffrey trade for maybe a Sammy Watkins and know that that's okay. If you give up a first round pick, or if you trade a young promising rookie wide receiver, rookie running back, because getting that player that could help you now win would pay off in the long run or pay off in the short term. Um, On the flip side, if you're not contending and you don't see yourself contending in the next two years, don't hold on to an Alshon Jeffrey or a Deshaun Jackson or a Tom Brady. Move those guys now when their value is high because they're not going to do you much good in two years when, you know, chances are they might be retired. So know where you're at and make moves accordingly. And yeah, great question, Jerry. Um, I know a lot of you guys in this league are new first-time Dynasty players, and I know it's quite um, an adjustment that you have to make, especially if you're just coming from fantasy, because perceived value changes drastically in, you know, from redraft to this in terms of valuing younger talent a little bit more differently than versus um, valuing older talent. But I think all you guys have really kind of learned, and some of you have taken your lumps, but it's a learning curve, and I think all you guys are going to come out as very successful dynasty players. All right. Um, so now we're going to switch to week two and talking about some of the matchups for the week. Um, the first matchup I want to talk about is kind of the, probably the least exciting matchup maybe of the week. And that would be Sam versus Sean. Mr. American Psycho versus Under Construction. Any, you guys want to start us off? Sean. I'm good. Sean. 
Sean, don't follow me. I damn you. Um, it should be Sean, but I don't know anything anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. It it should be Sean. I mean, the only thing that I'm curious about in this matchup is just Sean's wide receivers and just how that scoring output looks this week. And if do some of these wild cards that we saw live up to the hype for the week. For Sam, I think he missed his opportunity to get a win but for the season. But we will see um, in future weeks if someone has the unfortunate luck of losing to him. All right. Um, the second matchup, how about we do... Let's do myself versus Jerry. Three blind mice versus my eyes. The goggles do nothing. Yeah, the, the line right now is what? U minus 47? Yes. So that's what I got. Um, Jerry took a big hit. Quarterback's position's hurting. Aaron Jones, bad matchup again. Uh, wide receiver is going two rookies now. Let's see. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm taking you, Mr. Weir, for this. I think after watching Dalvin Cook run in week one and and Hawkinson do his thing and Deshaun Watson throw two passes to, to Will Fuller and to Kenny Stills to go 65 yards down the field, I, I think it's at least 30 points. Well, I certainly hope so. It was a... Uh frustrating loss last week but I think I hope I should prevail all right now I think we start getting into some of the more juicy matchups yeah, a little bit more close I would hope um and the first one I want to talk about would be Chris Mr. Or, yeah Chris cold steel and sunshine versus Kevin tearing up the ACL uh, Nick, do you want to give us a rundown on this matchup? No, it looks good. Um, Lamar Jackson should fall out again. Cardinals, their top two CDs are suspended. Big Ben should have out of that. Something can be said about Newton. So the quarterbacks, I say, are kind of wash. Running backs go Kevin heavy. Yep. Very heavy. Wide receivers? Be a toss-up, especially now that Antonio Brown most likely is not playing. I probably lean Cold Steel. And tight ends, I lead Cold Steel. So I'm gonna go with running backs. Take the day, though. He's just got a lot of firepower there. Yeah, I mean Saquon and David Johnson is quite the one-two punch, and Derrick Henry is just picking up where he left off last season. The only thing, I mean, if you're cold steel and sunshine, I mean, do you find a way to get Malcolm Brown or LaShawn McCoy in your lineup? Yeah, and I'd have to look more at the breakdown of numbers and stuff, but McCoy looks good. I'd certainly try and flex him over Harbor Lodge. I don't know if I want any pieces on Miami. Yeah, I don't know either. Especially against the Patriots and that Bud saw. 
Canadian could be a hundred years old hat. <laughs> it very well could be. Dan, what do you think? Do you have uh, any takeaways on this matchup? I'm looking at Cam Newton versus Tampa Bay. I thought Tampa Bay looked absolutely atrocious. I think Cam Newton has a feasty game here, um, which hopefully bodes up well for a couple other pieces on the roster. But uh, I think I'm reading Kevin the entire way here. I Running back firepower, I think it, it sits very, very pretty. Um, yeah, give me, give me Kevin. All right, it's a sweep, Mr. Kevin. And our next matchup, let's do Nick Ruth's team. Captain Mayfield versus Z, Zane. Um, I'll, I'll break this down to start off. Um, for the quarterbacks, I think you got to give the edge to Nick. Um, Baker was, I mean, his line didn't do him any favors. Um, I think he'll bounce back, even though that Jets front Force or seven is a little bit rough. I mean, the defense as a whole is, so it could be a, another more of the same. But, I mean, Dak Prescott, I think, could feast on the Redskins. He looks like just a quarterback on a mission to get his $35 million a year, and I think that's going to continue this week. The running backs, I mean, on the surface, it's a no-brainer. You go Nick, but when on Johnson, Joe Mixon combined to do, like, nothing. Devin Singletary, he looked good, but he, why was he so limited with touches? And Damian Williams, I mean, again, he produced last week, but is this situation going to get murkier and murkier as LaShawn McCoy becomes more involved in the offense? For wide receivers, I mean, Zane's got arguably maybe the best wide receiver core in the league with Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins. Tyler Lockett and Josh Gordon are great, and Trey Quinn is just a nice little butterfly to have in a PPR league. Knicks, of course, are no slouch, and going back to the Panthers-Bucks game, Mike Evans could maybe get on the board. Maybe he won't be sick this week. I don't know. Um, and tight ends, I'm going to go with Zane as well, with Evan Ingram. Jason Witten, you know, came out of the... ESPN Monday Night Booth and got his touchdown this week, but or last week, but I'm not sure if it'll continue again. Um, I think Nick's tight end weakness is gonna continue, maybe, and maybe be his Achilles heel, but we'll see. Um, I'll even with all that said, though, I'll give the slight edge to Nick mostly because of the running backs, and I think they'll bounce back. Dan, what do you think? Four carries, 70 yards. Somebody please give Devin Singletary the ball more often. That's a, the fact that that man had, did not get the rock more often after a big part of that. And I'm a gosh darn winner. I, that man needs the ball. He makes that offense completely better. He handcuffs well with, with uh, Giovanni Bernard for, for Nixon. Keenan Allen, hey, he's going to see big play slay all, all week. I think that one's a rough one. Um, if Miles Sanders can take care of business, Zane, I think, can take care of business, but I don't think it happens with the fact that they've got a couple extra pieces in there. Um, I'm a, that's, a, that's a coin flip. I'm going to take Zane by two points. Fair enough. Nick, you're the, the decider. How do you feel about your matchup this week? Um, I mean, 
feeling good. Anything LBJ does, I kind of get some of with Baker, so that helps a lot. Dak looks like an MVP. Um, it's unbelievable. Damian Williams, I, I like, and I'm sound terrible, but I'm banking on McCoy's age to show, and I think that'll really help Williams. Single pair is out there for 70% of the snaps, so I think he's just getting kind of get more involved. I mean, he's obviously the bell cow, and mixing the carry on, I can't do worse, so it's going to go up from here, I hope. Did you give, uh, out of curiosity, any thought to starting maybe Scary Terry or even John Brown? Yeah, I've been going back and forth. Um, it's going to matter with Nixon's health. Okay. Mattering that pretty close. We'll see if he's questionable. Probably won't go. Just because if he's out, then I'm going Geo. Geo produces running back one numbers whenever Nixon's out. But if he's all right so before we get to our match of the week let's go with steve saucy boy steve and franchise 12 mr adam nick break it down for us for Adam, he's probably going to make a few changes with his starting lineup. I would have to imagine he's going to bench Penny for either Chris Thompson or I mean... Or AP even. Or maybe AP. AP dominated. I I would probably go Chris Thompson just because I think as long as he's healthy he's going to be a PPR beast, but AP could very well be the choice. Either way, I don't think it's going to be Penny that's starting in that last spot. Um, But I don't know. I think I just like Adam's running backs. I know Steve has, you know, Leonard Fournette, Devontae Freeman, and Marlon Mack, but I just, Matt Breida, Chris Carson, I think Austin Leckler, Duke Johnson, I think that's a nice foursome that I think it's going to 
carry Adam to another surprise, maybe, victory for the week. Dan, why don't you read the tiebreaker? Who do you see taking taking this one? Uh, you can call me bitter for this all day, but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Steve. I got I got a rough matchup last week. Adam got the best of me with a couple great lineup decisions, took care of business. Uh, Matt Ryan gets it done. Leonard Fournette takes a lot of pressure off of the rookie QB. Marlon Mack does his thing. Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, George Kittle, Bynes and DJ Moore. Give me sauce. Give me thirty points, and I'm all in. I like it. All right. So that brings us to the last matchup, the marquee matchup of the week. Island of Misfit Toys, Dan Weber versus Flash Gordon, Stefan. Interesting thing about this week is, I mean, these were maybe two of the favorite teams in the league, and Flash Gordon was shut out last week. Arguably maybe the most disappointing team when you look at the results. And Dan obviously had a very touch, tough matchup, and while he had the points, he got that one point. He missed out on the head-to-head point. The loser this week is could find himself in an early hole. Um, Nick, why don't you break down what you're seeing for us? I'm going to go quarterbacks to Flash Gordon. Uh, told me Kirk Cousins throws the ball 10 times a game. Doesn't look great. That could hurt if that's the route they go. I don't think it is. But that's what they want to do, and it, it works. There's no denying it. It worked really well. Josh Allen, he's a wild card. If he doesn't get those running legs, it hurts. Goff is, he looks bad, but his home and away numbers are night and day. And he's home. So the Rivers. And it's Philip Rivers. He's a consistent high teens, low 20s every game. Running backs, I mean, if he had McCaffrey by himself, I'd probably just take McCaffrey. I think he's probably the best asset in dynasty football right now. I mean, I guess not for longevity, but he puts any team over the edge, so I'd mean running backs there. Wide receivers, honestly, I don't know. It's I tough, right? Say it, I'd say a toss-up. I think D.D. took a big hit, and Nicole Hardman, I just, I don't know. I'm going to say wide receivers is a push, and tight ends, and lean arts, but uh, I lean arts. I think it's going to be another nail-biter, and it's certainly coming down to that. Probably that Monday night game. See if Chubb can do it. Mm-hmm. I think Chubb will determine the game. So if she's going against that front seven, it could be tough. Yeah. I I lean Gordon on Chubb just gets a screen or breaks a big one. Fair. So okay, here's my take. Um. I think actually for the wide receivers, I'm going to give the edge to Dan. Um, I like each of the mashups that each player has for Dan's wide receiver core. Um, and I think all four of them are going to do a solid job for Flash Gordon's team. I'm just worried about some of the unknowns. Hardman's still a rookie. 
D.D. Westbrook, like you said, Nick, he just looked like a different player when Foles went out. And Mike Williams, I don't even know if he's going to play. I, I know he was injured. I, I haven't been up with the news with that, but I know he was still questionable last I saw. Um, so I wonder if there's potentially maybe going to be a adjustment on Flash Gordon's lineup. Um, maybe looking at it's Ronald Jones potentially maybe being considered. Dante Moncrief, maybe something like that. So, maybe Jimmy Graham. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Does the fact that Elman can only play a quarter or two go into your weight at all? <laughs> um, I guess my... Because th- for me. Yeah, they have I a mean, lot of young wide receivers that need reps. I guess, so I'm kind of thinking that Antonio Brown doesn't play this week. Not even counting the the news, you know, that just came out, and who knows how that all shakes out by the time game day rolls around. But I think Antonio Brown, I think they're just going to be like, we're good. We're playing the Dolphins. And, yeah, even if, let's say, Edelman plays a half, I think Edelman can still rack up eight catches and 70 yards and maybe a touchdown and, you know, call it a day and still wrap up 15-plus points. So... I'm not worried about that. I think this is going to be a really close matchup. And if I had to give the deciding factor, I think it's going to be which sets of quarterback prevails. Josh Allen and Kirk Cousins or Jared Goff and Phillip Rivers. Um, on the surface, I, I mean, it's tough. I think, you know, Goff and Cousins have tough matchups. Allen, I mean, could be a little bit of a wild card, maybe break out against the Giants. And I don't know what to expect with this Lions team. They were night and day, two different teams between the first three quarters against the Cardinals and then the fourth quarter into overtime against the Cardinals. So I I don't know. I, I think it's a toss-up. I'm going to give the slightest of slight edges to Dan, but I don't feel great about it. Dan, I'll pull up to you. You have the hammer. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about getting that comfortable in this matchup? Hey, I'm sitting in this hot seat right now. It's uh, I'm nervous, and I'd be a liar if I said I wasn't nervous. I felt better going the last week than I do right now, and it scares me. Um, yeah, Josh Allen against the Giants makes me feel a little bit better, but again, golf numbers at home. I'm with you, Mr. Rook. It's fucking rough. Um, I think when you look at it, I, I agree. I. I've gone night and day about pulling that and I can't do it. Like I learned by not saying like I went up three three weeks once that Hooper's gonna be a top five tight end, sat him for OJ Howard. OJ Howard makes or breaks my week. One hundred percent. Just like DD Westbrook will make or break Stephens week. Um hopes and prayers, I think it's a toss up. I think this is under ten points in a in another barn burner of a matchup, but I think both Stephen and I put up top six scoring numbers this week, and I think at least one of us salvages the point uh, while the other one gets three. Fair enough. Do you want to go on record and pick a team? I, I'm going to pick myself. I, I, you got to okay. go in thinking you're the better team, you're that way. But I will say this if OJ does not get at least 10 points, I will lose this matchup. All right. Fair enough. The tight ends are going to decide this. I like it. Um, all right, so that wraps up our week two preview podcast. Um, 
as always, I appreciate you guys for putting up with this average work that we do. Um, hopefully you enjoy it, and good luck this week. My work's above average for the record.